Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Preachers who believe in eternal security can still struggle when it comes to internal security. Maybe you know from personal experience where you're solid in your conviction that God will never let you go, um, but sometimes you get shaky in your confidence as a preacher. You know, as a Christian, you're secure. As a preacher, you're insecure. Uh, sometimes insecurities, you know, surface maybe by the feedback or the lack of it, as we talked about last week, those expectations that we may have. We can receive good feedback, positive feedback, negative feedback, or no feedback at all uh, when we preach. And so that, that can test our sense of significance and our sense of security. And maybe over the years you've seen your internal security rise and fall like the stock market, depending on whether you know comments trend more toward compliments or criticism. But when you, when you light up as a preacher, um, you can feel successful. Uh, but feelings are always, feelings are weird. Feelings aren't always the truth. You won't necessarily feel secure all of the time. That's because preaching, um, well, actually raises the bar of people's expectations and it adds more pressure to your life. You get the sense that you're only as good as your last sermon. But on the other hand, when you struggle as a preacher, um, you can feel people seem... Uh, listless, or they start uh, leaving the, the congregation, the church, they go to another congregation, you can feel like a failure. If nobody you know, compliments or people begin to deteriorate in the church, and as critics start to outweigh you know, the kudos, you can develop Sunday anxiety and lose really your internal security, such as is common to preachers. Receiving feedback comes with the territory for us as preachers. Invariably, some of it will uplift us, some of it will deflate us. Maybe you're not a preacher, maybe you're in other kinds of ministry, maybe it's a Bible class, or as an elder or a deacon, you're not getting the, the, the feedback that you think that you should, or that should at least seem reasonable. Um, maybe like you and I should take consolation in knowing the Apostle Paul, of course, faced his share of commendations, but also uh, critiques as a preacher. And if, if Paul were writing a letter to the preachers, he could say, no feedback has overtaken you that is not common to preachers. If you read Paul's letters, you noting his remarks about preaching, you'll discover that Paul experienced the sting of criticism. Uh, some who heard him preach openly dismissed his speaking abilities. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 10 say, For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. Let that, let that dinger sink in. His speaking amounts to nothing. That's a big ouch. There's a whole lot of nope going on in there. The very fact that Paul could quote um, you know, this comment shows that it stung, that it stung him, that it, that it hit him as a man, uh, that it stuck with him uh, in, in a very moral sense. If Paul got, you know, paying for his preaching, uh, why should you expect to be exempt from hearing hurtful words? But on the other hand, Paul received high praise for his preaching. While he certainly had some haters in the church at Corinth, he also had some fans. And in fact, some folks in Corinth picked him as their favorite preacher, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 12. 
they were siding with preachers. And so he had his little fan club. But while, while we may not have a devoted fan club, uh, some in our congregation will express gratitude for our sermons and affirmation of our abilities. Maybe they'll say, this is the best I've ever heard, you know, or you, I've never heard a sermon on that or, or whatever. All those comments that you may or may not receive. Uh, so pre- to prepare our hearts, you know, for the feedback that we're going to receive as preachers, uh, especially as preachers, we need to develop a very strong sense of internal security. If you're an elder listening to this or a deacon or you serve the Lord in some sort of fashion, uh, in a public fashion where feedback and response is required, um, let's talk about staying in t- internally secure. Paul, Paul's example helps us. Uh, in his final letter to Timothy, Paul, he blends theology with an autobiography, if you will, uh, to explain his own sense of identity. Second Timothy chapter 1, and um, bear with me as I read verses 8 through 12. He said, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. This is why I suffer as I do. Notice the flow of Paul's thinking in these verses. He begins by rejoicing in the fact that there is saving grace and that God has saved him. And salvation does not result from anything that we have done, quote, but from God's own purpose and grace, verse chapter 1 and verse 9. This grace was given in Christ Jesus, as he said, before the ages began. And then he revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, verse 10. Now all those who respond to Christ in faith receive life and immortality, and so that's the good news. But after writing about his salvation in Christ, Paul refers to his calling uh, to preach the gospel. Verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. So Paul had a very clear sense of his calling to preach God's truth. This calling, you know, to, to service um, really framed his self-understanding and it formed an important part of his identity, but it was not the primary uh, or, or foundational part of his identity. Remember the, uh, remember the order of his words in these verses. He, he highlighted his salvation before his service calling. So Paul's self-understanding was grounded in his salvation and in his salvation identity, so who he was in Christ. Before, it was based on his service identity, what he did in ministry. So Paul's identity in Christ stabilized his internal security. If we hope to keep our internal security as preachers, we must make sure our sense of identity comes from our salvation rather than our service. Now, all of this might sound rather basic and obvious to those of us who do preach the gospel or serve in a public fashion. But of course, our salvation and identity comes prior to our service identity. We know that. But however, ministry has a way of getting us to, to you know, subtly um, shift our focus. Without realizing it, we begin to find our primary identity in our ministry or our service. And as we do, we start to struggle with our internal security. The feedback that we receive suddenly looms larger in our thinking. Compliments become overly important to us. Uh, critiques become disproportionately devastating. 
and preaching becomes a way to prove ourselves. So there's a poignant scene in the movie uh, Chariots of Fire where Harold Abrams speaks of the fear that drives him as a sprinter. And as he prepares for the 100-meter finals, he tells the teammate, uh, in one hour's time, I will be out there again. I will raise my eyes and look down the cor corridor four feet wide with 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. But will I? So when our primary identity gets wrapped up in our performance as a preacher, we start to think like Harold Abrams. We step up to the platform, we raise our eyes and look at the congregation, and with 30 lonely minutes, <laughs> try to justify our existence, uh, if not to others, at least to ourselves. And that is a very terrible, insecure way to live. But see, the damage runs deeper than just our internal security or our internal sense of security. If we get the order reversed, finding our primary identity in our service for Christ rather than our salvation in Christ, we actually become dangerous in ministry. Instead of preaching to meet the needs of others, we preach to meet our own needs, our, in, uh, our thirst for affirmation, our thirst for validation. We also become tempted to modify our message to sustain the approval of our audience. In a sense, we become uh, parasitic preachers, living off the very sheep that we are called to serve. So when we're talking about internal security, we need, we need to think about from where does it stem. Think back to when you first became a Christian. Think back when you were beginning to realize the importance of your primary identity. Um, I pray that it was in your salvation. If it's not that you'll listen to that today, that you'll hear that today, especially through Paul's words, our identity is in our salvation and not our service. This side of heaven, I suspect, most preachers will struggle when it comes to finding internal security. Like Paul, we're going to be stung by critical assessments. We will also relish heartfelt affirmations. However, as we find our primary source of identity in our salvation, our inner world will not fluctuate wildly because of the responses that we receive. Our growing sense of inner security will both stabilize our souls and enable us to better serve Christ as preachers. When it comes to the feedback about our sermons or our ministry or our shepherding or our deaconing, um, if, we have, if we are married uh, to God and a God-given source for, for honest, helpful input, then, then we, will, we will rise above all of the remarks, bad and good. That's why we, and we're going to look at this next week, in the next session, to strengthen our souls, we must listen um, to our closest of ally. It's my prayer that you will be secure in who you are in Christ. Um, your work as an individual will always be up and down. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, whether you're a preacher who preaches every week, a youth minister, a connections minister, a family minister, associate, senior minister, whatever, whatever it is, shepherd, deacon, teacher, missionary, your work will always fluctuate. Remember that your identity is not in your work, but it is in your Lord. So keep that in mind as you as you dredge out this week 
as you look forward to Sunday, remember that. Remember that. I pray that you will. Um, we we don't need um, we don't need weak preachers. And as we just noticed, we don't need parasitic preachers, ones who who feed off of the ones that they're actually trying to feed. Where in order for us to stay afloat, we've got to have the whole church's approval. Um, rest assured, you will not. There will be people who will get up uh, before the Lord's Supper, before you go to preach a sermon. They'll get up, they'll walk out of the room, and they'll do that on a regular basis. Hopefully, you've got wise shepherds that will uh, go to that sheep that is straying and saying, what's your problem? Why are you leaving? Uh, what's, what's, what's the matter? You're, you're showing a public uh, disapproval of what we are approving, and hopefully they'll handle that. But, but don't, don't get caught up into that. Don't, don't, um, don't put no thought. And as our Lord said on one occasion, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your possessions and for your food and for the day-to-day. Literally, don't take that thought up and hold it captive as though you've got it bound to yourself. Are thoughts going to come into your mind? Yes. Are comments going to come across your way? Yes. But let them go on by. Don't pick them up. Don't take them up. Uh, it's my prayer as you consider the heart of the preacher. And, uh, you know, as as our focus has shifted in guarding our hearts um, and, and our soul, we first and foremost have to be Christians uh, before we're anything else, that we are saved by Christ. And so in that we rest. In that we have confidence. In that we have treasure. Uh, not in our work. Our work will always be up and down. We'll always be highs and lows. That's unstable. That is very unstable. And so you and I are justified before Christ. We stand just if I'd never sinned, if I could borrow the terms of Dan Winkler. We, we're justified and we're saved. The sanctification process is the ugly stuff. That's the day-to-day of the war that you and I are enduring together. It's my prayer that you will not get bogged down in the midst of your sanctification as you preach and teach and as you shepherd, because uh, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And, and, and maybe nobody's ever told you that before, but but accidents are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. And we need grace. There's been only one person to ever live this world who has been completely sinless and did everything the right way. And that was Jesus, our Lord. But even though he did do everything the right way, even though he was the world's greatest preacher, most people, and even still today, most rejected the greatest preacher, teacher, shepherd of all time. So don't get bogged down by the comments or don't don't get too high by the comments. Um, after amen, close your Bible, clutch it tight, bow your head, walk out of the auditorium, stand in the back and shake the brethren out uh, and, and relish in the thought that God has been glorified. Let me ask you this question. As you preach and teach and minister in whatever capacity you're in, do you glory in the fact that God is working or that God is working through you. It's good for us to want God to work through us. Absolutely. We want to be joyfully submissive to God and do those works and to do what he wants us to do. But I, asked, I, I presented this to the church Sunday evening uh, at Piedmont Road here. I asked the question, or maybe presented it in a way, if, if my glory is my preaching and not God's preaching, then I'm in trouble then I have lost my focus. I, I'm, I'm no longer fixated on that which I should be fixated. Your ministry, are you are you thankful that God is working or are you thankful that God is doing it through you and thus you're in somewhat of the limelight? That's another heart test. Um, that That's a sign of somebody who is insecure and they've got to have the pedestal. They've got to be put up. 
listen, get off the pedestal, knock it down, um, get rid of it. I think there's a fellow, a king in the book of Acts who considered himself a god and got on his pedestal and the Lord um, had worms eat him and then he fell over dead in that order. <laughs> Not that the worms ate him after he died. The worms were what caused his death. So if you don't want belly worms that eat your guts, uh, you might want to step off your pedestal. Uh, joking aside, we see what the Lord thinks. We see how the Lord disapproves of somebody who glories in the fact that God is using them for his good, uh, for his glory. So don't don't worship the fact that you're being used. Worship the God who is using you. And so I bid you uh, Godspeed this week in your preaching, in your teaching, in your serving. Uh, rest in your eternal security for your internal security.